0: Welcome to Sunday Night Live. I'm your host tonight, Chase Geiser. So much news to cover as this Disease X has been basically announced. And we know that they've been talking about Disease X for some time. We know that the major members of the political class have been talking about Disease X. I believe that the term was coined. The crew did a great job in the last show having the Wikipedia page for Disease X up. 2019 or 2018 that they coined the term. Is that right? And so they like to have this just variable for this catastrophe that is yet to to be defined, yet to be invented, yet to be created, yet to be released. They want this variable in place so they can build laws, policies, and infrastructure around this unnamed emergency yet to happen in the future. And so when whatever it is happens, happens, they can say, okay, that was disease X the whole time. That was this variable the whole time. And then they can activate these policies. You know, it's crazy because We see how politicians throughout history have used emergencies as an excuse to gain power, states of emergency, a state of emergency. That was how Rome was able to declare Julius Caesar a dictator for a year, I think the rule was at the time, and you could be a dictator for a year at a time in Rome. And he did it when there was a state of emergency, and of course we know that Julius Caesar was able to declare himself dictator for life at that point. But these states of emergency throughout history that have been used in order to manifest lifetime dictatorship, whether it was the Reichstag or others, traditionally it's been that the emergency actually had to happen. It was either a false flag or a real emergency, and then that was exploited post facto by political leaders in order to ensure that they have... Power for the rest of their lives, dictatorship for the rest of their lives. Now the political class has gotten so sophisticated that it doesn't want to rely on any fluke emergency. It doesn't want to wait for a real emergency to occur, like a 9-11 emergency where they can respond with the Patriot Act or other emergencies that they can respond to like they did with the pandemic. They don't want to wait to draft the policies that they want to activate when these emergencies happen for the actual emergency to happen. So what they do, this is just mind boggling to me how they're getting away with this, is they establish disease X as this emergency that may or may not happen. It's an emergency yet to come and they're able to create all these policies around this thing that doesn't exist. So whenever they decide to manifest the thing itself, label the thing disease X, all these other policies and sort of a domino ripple effect then get activated. And so what they're doing, what they're building around this disease X, 2018, February 2018, when they first coined the term, just a couple of years before the real pandemic. But all these policies that they're creating around it are not policies, they're forecasts. And even though these policies aren't activated now, it might as well just be law that's going to be activated whenever they want it to, whenever the WHO wants it to, whenever the WEF wants it to. And Davos is meeting in a couple of days. Jones said so in the last show. And the main topic of their agenda is disease X. It's as simple as that. And we know that the WHO actually works for China because members of the WHO refuse to refer to Taiwan is Taiwan. They refer to it as Chinese Taipei because they don't want to offend the Chinese. And how is it that the Chinese have such a substantial amount of leverage over these globalist organizations like the WHO? Well, it's because China is in large behind this globalism. They do not want any nation to have any sort of national sovereignty except perhaps their own. And so they push and support and they join these international globalist organizations so that when these catastrophes or emergencies manifest, China is left with a dis- disproportionate amount of power compared to the rest of the world. I mean, just look at the climate change agenda as a very so- small, simple example. We see the global institutions come out time and time again critical of climate policies in the United States, other first world countries. Europe's always making concessions. The United States is always making concessions. Our various leftist states within the United States, like California, are always making global sort of climate change policy concessions to the point where it's gonna be illegal at some point in California to even use landscaping equipment that isn't battery operated, right? And so China, who we know is actually I believe the greatest producer of greenhouse gases. They follow no climate policy rules, pushes these climate policies and this climate agenda upon every other nation, supports it in name only at these globalist institutions because they know that it cripples all of their competition. They know that they can continue to break the rules and no one's going to do anything about it because everybody depends on all their, their slavery and their manufacturing for their products and their medicine and basically just every physical item that exists in the world is because of China in some part. And so they push through, like, the WHO and the WEF and the UN and NATO and these other globalist organizations, all these climate policies that they don't follow, and while they dump... Radiated water, or while they dump plastics by the millions of tons directly into the ocean, everybody else is making concessions on their policy to make everything totally expensive so they can't even compete remotely with China in terms of manufacturing. I mean, China has done a great job of leveraging the international globalist community to ensure that no nation will ever be able to manufacture for as cheap as China. They, they're using it to wipe out the competition. It's as simple as that. And we know that these vaccines are part of a globalist agenda because we've seen what happened over the last few years. We see what the likes of Klaus Schwab or the World Economic Forum say about using vaccines to depopulate the earth. We saw that clip. Jones just ran a clip in a promo, I believe it might have been a clip that he called for, where Bill Gates admits that vaccines can be used for depopulation. He says it right in the same sentence. And now we're seeing evidence from reputable scientists, scientists we trust, scientists who don't have a dog in the fight other than the fact that they're participants in the human species coming out and saying that the spike protein replaces sperm in vaxxed men. We're going to run clip one here just in a second. Sperm cells in males who have received a COVID-19 injection are being replaced by spike proteins a German medical examiner has disturbingly claimed. Let's go ahead and run clip one to see.
1: Shows that uh, actually we could confirm that the spike protein is produced in the deltoid muscles where the vaccine is uh, is uh, uh, administered injected, but we could uh, show it in almost all organs more or less uh, explicitly. And here you see a case uh, where we show the testes and. Uh, you, see, you can see that uh, in this 28-year-old man who had a healthy son uh, and who died 140 days after injection, the spike protein is strongly expressed in the uh, spermatog- uh, spermatogenic uh, organ in the testis. And you can see there are almost no spermatocytes in here. but uh, And uh, it's strongly expressed of uh, uh, spike protein in the spermatogonic tissue. So uh, uh, also in elder persons, this is an old man, and you can see here's also a strong expression in the sper- spermatogonia. There's no, uh, not one single spermatosol uh, on in this, uh, and a strong expression of the spike protein. So if I may make a personal comment, Uh, this is not a scientific comment, Uh, if I were a woman in fertile age, I would not plan a motherhood from a person, from a man who has been vaccinated, unless... Wow,
0: bold. I think and a round of applause of from that room. Stuff. And you got to keep in mind, folks, that coming out and making claims like this, coming out and saying things like this to the public could potentially be career suicide for any major scientist. So the fact that these scientists are saying these things, it's not for attention, it's not for their career, it's not so they can sell books, it's not because they want a job at MIT or Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Brown or any of these research institutions. They're saying it because despite the fact that it could ruin their scientific career as scientists, they have some sort of a conscience about the future of humanity. And it doesn't just stop with that gentleman there making the claim about the spike proteins and sperm, but in clip two, which we're gonna run in a second, Dr. McCullough talks about the same thing. And he's another doctor who we trust. He's the cardiologist who we trust that was right about the myocarditis and all these other negative effects that we've seen manifest over the course of the last several years since these vaccines came out. These are not whack jobs. These are not buffoons. These are not lunatics. These are legitimate scientists with legitimate concerns who are willing to speak the truth despite the fact that they have every reason to keep their mouths shut. Let's go ahead and run clip two.
2: We know that loaded on lipid nanoparticles, Mm -hmm. this dangerous genetic code and spike protein go everywhere in the body. You know, all the autopsy studies have shown it's in the brain, it's in the heart, it's in the bone marrow, it's in the reproductive organs. There's a range of sperm count and motility. Those men who are at the lower range, clearly with vaccination, they're gonna be brought into the infertile mm-hmm. range. And it takes months and months and months to recover. So just by the time they recover, they t- they're take a mandated booster, they go back into the infertile range. I can tell you as a medical doctor, every man should be concerned. Now importantly, female ovaries have a set number of eggs from birth. Mm -hmm. So as the genetic code is installed into ovarian cells and the spike protein is produced in the ovary, not not only is it triggering irregularities in menses, but almost certainly is causing death and destruction of those precious ovarian cells, those Mm -hmm. eggs. Eggs are being destroyed. And so on a more probable than not basis, one would conclude with serial injections every six months, women could be rendered infertile. We Absolutely. know that loaded on lipid nanoparticles. Amazing,
0: amazing stuff here. And so we have fertility, f- fertility being attacked on both fronts, the male and the female front. And the crew did an awesome job. I can't believe how fast they did it. They cut a 60-second version of the Bill, Clay, Bill Gates clip that I mentioned. I want to run that right now just so you can see Bill Gates. Notice how these, these globalists have been talking about depopulation for a long time, but it's seldom that you hear them explicitly outwardly admit or connect vaccination with depopulation. So this is a very important clip to pay attention to because here we have Bill Gates associating vaccination with depopulation after publicly making claims that none of these vaccines cause fertility issues. All these vaccines are safe for pregnant women. They're not gonna attack your sperm. They're not gonna attack your eggs. Why is he talking about vaccination in the context of a depopulation conversation? Let's run the clip.
3: Vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or
4: 15%. The true ruling elite are a death cult. Cure evil. The elite are extremely wealthy. Just fascinating stuff. So,
0: here he is, Bill Gates, giving his talks and admitting that vaccination can lower the global population. So, why is it And here's the other thing to consider. Why is it that suddenly Bill Gates is so interested in mass vaccination of third world countries? I mean, we've seen what he's done throughout all of Africa. We see his pushes in the international community for mass vaccination. And on the one hand, it's a tremendous opportunity for pharmaceutical companies to make a ton of money by pushing out their products to the third world paid for by the government or the likes of Bill Gates. But suddenly we see Bill Gates, who's so concerned about hyperpopulation growth, simultaneously so concerned about vaccinating the third world. How is it that you can be pro-depopulation and simultaneously pro-vaccines? I mean, imagine if, pro, if if the vaccines actually worked, if they actually save lives, people live longer, they live into adulthood, they live into reproductive maturity, right? That's what the claim is. Then isn't it sort of antithetical to depopulation that we would want people vaccinated? I mean, you would think that if you vaccinated an entire population and the vaccines were actually safe and effective that that would help with population growth. One would think that that would be a good thing if you want populations to prosper and grow. But you have Bill Gates repeatedly over years pushing vaccines on third world countries claiming that they need to depopulate, claiming that the world needs to depopulate. The fact of the matter is, kids. They're not trying to depopulate first world countries. They want the middle class enslaved and paying taxes. What they want to do is they want to eradicate the poor. They want to just eliminate the poor class from these third world countries off the face of the planet because they see them as contributing to this climate change. They see them as the issue. They see them as burdens of the state. And so that's why we see these vaccination pushes on Poor countries. That's why we see things like AIDS spread in Africa first and HIV spread in Africa first. That's why we see these diseases always seem to come from third world countries before they ever make it over here. I mean, when was the last time that some sort of a viral pathogen was actually born in the United States? We've got 350 to 400 million people living here. You think that every once in a while. There would be a pathogen that came out of here, but they always come out of these poor communities, whether it's in Wuhan, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in some obscure part of the world or it's Ebola. They always come kind of close to a lab in a really poor community. To me, that's just evidence that these viruses are manufactured, that these vaccines are part of some sort of very dangerous agenda. I mean, my dad got polio after he got the polio vaccine when he was a kid. They said, oh, it was just a bad batch. It was a weak batch. He didn't get it so bad he can still walk and everything, but... Definitely had a negative impact on his strength for his entire life. And they just love it. They just love the power that they have. And they feel that they're doing humanity some sort of service by eradicating billions of people from the earth. It's really as simple as that. Meanwhile, we have a madman in office. We have an insane person in the presidency of the United States. Actually insane, certifiably dementia-ridden. And I want to show you this clip. I know it's silly, but it just shows the audacity of Trump. He mocks senile Biden with White House senior living video. Let's go ahead and run clip three. This is from former President Trump. He reprised his role as troll in chief by sharing a hilarious new video mocking senile puppet President Joe Biden as a nursing home resident. Go ahead and run clip three.
2: White House senior living. Our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals.
5: I've been eating everything that's
2: put in front of me. I've been eating all all Italian food, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream. Chocolate
5: chip ice cream.
2: White House Senior Living, where residents feel...
0: Absolutely amazing troll right there. Absolutely amazing troll. And there's more and more evidence of this. I'm going to show this clip right next, actually, the young girl recoiling that you just had up on the screen. Young girl recoils from creepy Biden as he whispers to her inside a coffee shop. This is clip 10. If you don't think he's insane, just watch clips like this. He's being asked about the fact that he didn't know that Lloyd Austin was in... The hospital, for like seven days after he was in the hospital, while we're on the cusp of World War III in several different geographic areas, it could start any number of different ways. This is his response to answering important questions about Lloyd Austin. He can't keep his eyes off of this little girl. Clip 10. Do you Secretary Austin? I do. I'm sorry.
2: How are you doing? Was it the
0: adoption director for not to tell
4: you earlier?
0: Yes. Unbelievable. And they're coming after Trump for being a criminal. They say that Trump is the greatest threat to our democracy, which, of course, we know is a republic. But I think that dementia might actually be the problem. In fact, I'm, in fe- I'm offended that the Biden administration has come out and put together this cancer department, this program to research and find a cure for cancer when obviously it would benefit everyone, including Joe Biden, if we somehow found a cure for dementia. I think we should prioritize dementia right now because World War III is going to kill us because of dementia before cancer kills us throughout this century, in my opinion. And they're coming after Trump for this real estate stuff. And they admit, they admit repeatedly on the likes of CNN that this is a totally political attack on Trump. It has no actual grounding in the law. There's no actual legal motive for them to be doing this. They just want to come after Donald Trump because of the political aims of it. Let's see what Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank had to say about this real estate prosecution, this civil fraud case. This is clip number four. What does Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank have to say as his expertise in the space, he should understand, what does he have to say about the civil suit against Trump? Is it politically motivated?
6: You've been doing real estate for decades. Does this case strike you as odd?
7: Well, let's leave out Trump for a minute and let's leave out politics and just talk about what happens in real estate development anywhere. So if you're a developer and you've got a building on on a block anywhere in America and it's worth, let's say, $500 million and you want to build a building right beside it, you go to the bank and say, This building is worth $500 million. I'd like to borrow a construction finance loan against this asset. And I want you to tell me it's worth $500 million, too. And the bank negotiates with you and says, well, no, we think it's worth $400 million. And you fight it out. You're always trying to show your assets in the brightest light with the sunshine you can possibly determine for them. You want them to be worth the very most because you're only going to get a 40 or 50% loan-to-value, as it's called. Then you borrow that money, in the case of a $500 million asset, maybe you get $250 million, and you build a new building with a construction finance loan. And so that's what this case is all about. What, and, and by the way, forget about Trump. Every single real estate developer everywhere on Earth does this. They always talk about their asset being worth a lot, and the bank says no. that's just the way it is. So, in this case, what I'm trying to figure out, and I'm not pro or con, or I don't care about the politics, who lost money? Nobody. The bank got paid back the construction finance loan, and a new building was built, and if, if you're gonna sue this case and win, you gotta sue every real estate developer everywhere. This is all they do. This is what they do all day long, every day. So I don't think this thing will ever survive appeal, regardless of what the fine is. This doesn't even make sense. Now, look, I know Trump's got a lot of problems in other indictments and everything else. But but this, if you're a real estate developer, you're watching this, you're saying, what is this? This is ridiculous.
0: Now, it's not just Mr. Wonderful who's coming out and saying this. So don't think this is biased or some sort of ridiculous claim by somebody who just happens to be blinded by Trump derangement syndrome and love of Trump or whatever you want to call it. But CNN admits that New York Attorney General Letitia James was a Trump witch hunt politically motivated, right? We're gonna run clip six in a second. A pair of videos from recent CNN segments are going viral online as they provide a rare example of a left-leaning mainstream media outlet allowing its viewers to receive a dose of reality. Let's see here what happens in clip six
8: what they right. were doing. They got paid back. But it is a fact that Letitia James, as Paula Reed said, Letitia James campaigned for attorney general in 2018 specifically on a promise of vote for me and I'll get Donald Trump. That's not something she said once. She said it dozens of times. She said it in writing. She fundraised off it. And she wasn't even specific. She didn't say, I'll get him for inflating his assets. At one point, she said he could be indicted for money laundering. At one point, she said the day after she was elected, she said, and I quote, we're definitely going to sue his ass. He'll know my name. And when you make statements like that, how can you say there's no political angle to this? You can maybe say the facts are there, but it's also political. That's Letitia James's own doing.
9: So what if...
0: And there you go. So they're admitting that there's a political agenda happening against Trump. They are in denial or at least covering up or lying about the fact that Joe Biden has dementia and he's running the White House. He doesn't know where his secretary of defense is or where Lloyd Austin is, even though he's in the hospital, potentially under critical condition, potentially dying. I guess he had some sort of prostate cancer operation, and they got an infection. And Biden can't even take his eyes off of a teenage girl while he's being asked on video by journalists what the heck is going on with his administration. And then we have the Davos group going to meet together with the, sponsored by the World Economic Forum to talk about disease acts, which doesn't even exist, and everybody's just okay with it. Everybody's just believing it, and they're already starting the psychological manipulation. They're already messing with the population, preparing them for this thing that doesn't exist. If they talk about this thing that doesn't exist for two years and then it suddenly exists at their just sort of beck and call, they just flip the switch and all of a sudden it's real instead of this prognosis or this preparedness that they're pushing then everybody's going to believe it because of the long-term psychological conditioning. You show somebody an ad seven times, they're going to convert after the seventh time. You lie to someone long enough, incessantly enough, loud enough, they're going to believe the lie, and we see that the new vaccine lab for disease X is unveiled in the UK. I mean, Jamie White did a great job. He wrote about this on Infowars.com, and we're going to run clip 14 in a second because I want to show you an example of this psychological conditioning that we're experiencing, but a new facility has been constructed in the UK that will conduct vaccine research for an unknown pathogen dubbed by the World Economic Forum, WHO's disease disease x how can you do research for disease x if it doesn't exist yet don't you have to actually have a disease in order to research it the new facility is located at the secretive port and down science and technology campus in wiltshire england which is best known for chemical and biological warfare research experts at this facility are preparing for the emergence of a new disease x virus the bbc reports in august let's run clip 14 and see what they're saying on the news about it
4: Well, could the next pandemic make the height of the COVID-19 outbreak look mild? That's what some experts are predicting for what's being called disease X.
6: So I am very worried that we we just don't. uh, We, As a nation, we haven't made that commitment to really fully protect the American people.
4: So we caught up with internationally international recognized American dean Congress, of the, the National Project School of Tropical Medicine, Medicine, at Medicine at Baylor and University co-director of the of Texas Medicine Children's Hospital Medicine Center Medicine for, Medicine for Medicine Vaccine Medicine Development, Dr. Two Dr. Two Dr. Peter Hotez, so who's traveling, to get his take on the topic.
6: We have a likelihood that new pandemic threats that people call the disease X are going to be rising on a regular basis.
4: And Dr. Hotez says Disease X, the next pandemic, could hit hard whenever it arrives. Why do you think some experts are predicting the next pandemic will make COVID-19 look like a walk in the park?
6: I've written about this as well. I wrote for the Houston Chronicle a couple of months back that COVID-19 is just the warm-up act. the next pandemic may not be as severe, but it could be much more severe.
4: After years of pandemics popping up, including SARS and H1N1 early in the 2000s. Ebola in 2014,
6: it's Zika in 2016, and now we've got COVID-19.
4: Dr. Hotez says that's why the U.S. Office of Pandemic Preparedness was created, but he believes more should be done.
6: Having the funds available to make countermeasures for new diagnostics, new vaccines, and at the same time, um, being able to um, support uh, the, vi- the virologists, the scientists are actually studying these pathogens.
4: Why are we seeing so many
6: pandemics? It's one of the most common questions i am asked is it's a confluence of 21st century forces. Um, a big one is climate change, which is altering the migration of uh, animals that can transmit these uh, viral pathogens.
4: No one knows when disease X, the next pandemic, will hit, but scientists say it is coming.
0: No one knows when disease X will hit. Well, that's a lie. I think maybe the Davos Group and sponsored by the World Economic Forum this week is probably going to come together and make that decision. When would it be beneficial for disease X to hit? We're coming up on a break in a few minutes. I don't want to get into the Gonzalo-Lira stuff until I have a little bit more time to cover without getting cut off because we've got so much great content to cover regarding Ukraine and its murder of an American journalist. But let me just summarize everything we've gone over. We've got disease X, which is non-existent allegedly. We've got research facilities being found and discovered researching this disease that doesn't exist. And we've got policies being written for this disease that doesn't exist. Policies which aren't activated yet, but will be activated. And policies that are going to be sponsored by the international community, by the globalist community, pushed forward by the WHO, which works for... China, all while the president of the United States has dementia, and they're lying incessantly about Donald Trump to ensure that he either ends up in jail or off the ballot. And if they can't get him in jail and they can't get him off the ballot, they're going to kill him. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, and I hope I'm wrong here. It's possible that he's got good enough security that they, they won't infiltrate, they won't kill him. But come on, folks. If they kill JFK in the 60s, they can whack any president they want at any time they want. And that's why we've seen our president's repeatedly give in to the intelligence community because they realize as soon as they get in office that everything they've said during the campaign is irrelevant, everything they thought they knew is not true, and they realize that the intelligence community is actually behind every single administration basically since its manifestation and its coming to power. All of our politicians, all of our presidents have just obeyed this intelligence community. And first, I think it was out of naivete. Now, I think it's because... They're terrified of the intelligence community itself. I think that Ronald Reagan, for example, believed that the Cold War was necessary, believed that Russia was a real threat because he trusted in the intelligence community. I think he was being naive. I think he also suffered from Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, and he was taken advantage of by the intelligence community. And he trusted it. But then you see the Clintons, and then you see W. And then you see Obama- just totally reverse all of his policies on whistleblowers and go after Edward Snowden after he released the truth of how corrupt our intelligence community is and how abusive the Patriot Act was. And basically, the only president I can think of that did anything about the intelligence community was Trump when he fired Comey, but we all know what happened to him. Trump was lied to, lied about repeatedly. The intelligence community used all these excuses to spy on him. They launched this disease that just undermined his entire campaign and everything that was so strong about his presidency up until that point, they betrayed him. They absolutely betrayed him. Folks, we're coming up on a break. Make sure you go to InfoWarsStore.com because these game-changing New Year's specials from InfoWars are here, but I believe tonight might be the last night. I'm told that tonight is the last night, so get up to 60% off plus free shipping and double Patriot points at InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason we are still on the air. The new year is upon us. It's time to reevaluate your approach to your supplement routine with these InfoWars essentials. Get anything and everything at InfoWarsStore.com right now.
10: Zelensky and Hunter Biden have a great deal in common, and you should be aware of it. You see, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, well, the Cokehead of Kiev, because he has a Cokehead, the Cokehead of Kiev is actually a manufactured political figure. He was manufactured by a Ukrainian-Israeli Cypriot oligarch called Igor Kolomoisky. Now, Igor Kolomoysky was the man who owns One Plus One Media here in Ukraine. And One Plus One Media is the company that financed and produced the TV show Servant of the People. And Servant of the People hired Zelensky, a well-known actor in Ukraine, an actor with zero political experience or even any political interest. Well, they hired him to play the role of the president in this show, Servant of the People. Now, Servant of the People had huge ratings, but a lot of people say that it was really weird the amount of propaganda and PR that was done for the show. It was disproportionate to any other show of any channel. The amount of PR, positive press, and all the rest of it, it was really pushed on the people. Some people say it was completely astroturfed. Some people who know uh, how to speak Ukrainian and who have watched the show, have told me that it's a mildly enjoyable show, but no big deal. But anyway, the show was hugely popular, and it ran from 2015 to 2018, and almost seamlessly, Kolomoisky, the oligarch, created a party called Servant of the People, same name as the TV show, and their candidate was Zelensky, a man with no previous political experience and indeed no previous political interest. And Kolomoysky financed Zelensky to the point that Zelensky today is a billionaire. How many actors do you know are billionaires?
5: Hmm?
10: I mean, I don't think that Tom Cruise is a billionaire and he's the most successful actor in the world, if he's just an actor. Hmm? Zelensky is more than just an actor. Hmm? He's the finger puppet of Kolomoisky, this oligarch. And do you know... Who Kolomoysky also financed, to the tune of fifty thousand dollars a month, plus additional benefits of different sorts. Hunter Biden, yes, in two thousand and fourteen, Burisma, the Ukrainian oil company, the gas company, excuse me, hired Hunter Biden to be on its board of directors, to the tune of fifty thousand dollars a month. Who do you think controls Burisma? Kolomoysky. The same guy who manufactured Zelensky as president of Ukraine. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Zelensky and Hunter Biden are spiritual cousins. They are bankrolled by the same guy. It's funny because both of them have uh, drug addictions, pretty serious ones. Mm -hmm. Both of them get their money from Kolomoisky. And both of them are intimately involved in Ukraine. But here's the difference, of course. Zelensky doesn't have a dad who's president of the United States, now does he? Why do you think the White House, the United States, is freaking out so badly over Ukraine? Mm -hmm. In Ukraine, there are all kinds of secrets. In Ukraine, well, see, the more unsavory people in the Washington establishment have used Ukraine as their private piggy bank to the detriment of the Ukrainian people. They have financially raped Ukraine, stripping it of monies and assets, monies and assets needed by the people of Ukraine. And this is part of the reason that Ukraine is one of the poorest countries in Europe, if not the poorest country in Europe, because of the corruption, because of how Westerners have exploited it, Western politicians have exploited it. Hunter Biden, $50,000 a month. And you say to yourself, well, $50,000 isn't that much. Yeah, but, you know, $50,000 a year is the medium household income in the United States. In Ukraine, a much poorer country, $50,000 a year would easily uh, solve the problems of a good four or five families in Ukraine, the financial problems of those four or five families in Ukraine for a year. And Hunter Biden was getting that money per month just for himself. Although, of course, in the Hunter Biden emails, there's talk that seems to be true that the old man would get a 10% kickback of whatever Hunter Biden was getting. Hmm? And that was in the uh, laptop. Oh, yeah. Look it up. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take my word for any of what I'm telling you. Hmm? Look it up yourself and you'll find it. It's very easy to find. Kolomoisky, the Ukrainian Israeli Cypriot oligarch, was financing Zelensky, was financing Joe Biden. God God alone knows who else he was financing. And he was just one. There's a whole rotten bunch of these people here in Ukraine. And they were all busy paying off the West so that they could carry on their little evil deeds and whatnot. Hmm? If you want to know why the West is freaking out over Ukraine, you have to understand that they are all terrified
0: that the truth will come out in Ukraine. So that's Gonzalo Lira, who was recently killed in Ukrainian custody American journalist who exposed Biden crime family and Voldemir Zelensky, Voldemort Zelensky, as I like to call him, was killed in Ukrainian custody. So we officially have a situation in which American journalists are killed in Ukrainian custody while American journalists seek asylum in Moscow. But Ukraine's our ally, Russia's the, bad, Russia's the bad guy, our administration loves journalism so much, our administration loves the truth so, so much, the government loves journalists just really digging in and releasing the truth, they love making sure that lies can't stand up and censoring misinformation and disinformation, but our administration isn't going to do anything about the fact that Otto Warmbier died in North Korea, they're not going to do anything about the fact that now this Gonzalo Lira has died in Ukrainian custody and something he said was going to happen. Let's watch this clip of the Ukrainian tran- transgender woman, whatever her name is. This is clip seven. Brag about the fact that they have this journalist, this U.S. citizen in their custody.
11: There's a reason you haven't heard from Gonzalo Lira yet with his so-called attempts at asylum in Hungary. It's because... The state security services, better known as the SBU, are some of the most talented
0: and focused law enforcement agents across the globe. And in doing so, they knew where Gonzalo Lira was. So Gonzalo Lira, an American citizen and journalist of Chilean descent who had been exposing corruption in Ukraine, has reportedly died while in the custody of Ukrainian forces. Let's just run clip eight while we're while we're on this topic. I want you to see this question from a reporter about his arrest as well. Go ahead and run clip eight.
12: Great. Yeah. Uh, thank
13: you, Matt, uh, Leo Cosgrove with The Gray Zone. So back in May, I asked you about Gonzalo Lira. He was the US citizen arrested in Ukraine for posting dissident content online. And you told me the State Department was aware of his arrest in May. And we learned last night through a series of tweets by him uh, that he had been tortured in the Ukrainian prison and he was now on a motorcycle with a broken rib trying to flee to the Hungarian border. And so I'm wondering you know, if this is true, given the State Department knew of his arrest and his detention, how has this been allowed to occur? We have a US citizen being arrested, being detained and perhaps tortured in the prison of one of our strongest allies. Well, you you lost me with the perhaps and the if this is true. I think I'd want to verify those reports before I commented on it. Alex, go, State ahead. Department Alex, go War, ahead. Is the State Department I, investigating? I, I, I just want to verify anything before I comment. Go ahead, Alex.
0: So journalist Gonzalo Lira, whose death was recently announced by his family, issued a chilling warning last year that he would be killed while in Ukraine's custody. It's clip 18. We're going to run it in a second. Let's check out this Ex-post breaking news the final public statement of Gonzalo Lira was chilling as he was aware that if arrested he would face death in a Ukrainian prison He desperately called for public outcry to put pressure on the U.S. State Department to take the customary action it does for American citizens in similar situations. However, the outcry never materialized. The MSM, the mainstream media, ignored his story, which allowed State Department officials to ignore Lira, a journalist who was critical of them. Gonzalo was an American citizen and was abandoned by our government to die. Let's hear what he had to say in clip 18. Sad stuff.
14: The start of the genesis of this whole situation is because I had an opinion that went against the narrative. And that's why I went to prison. And that's why if I'm arrested again, I will die in prison. So I ask you, please, as many people as possible, the American State Department knows exactly who I am and the situation I'm currently involved in. And they know the fate that awaits me. They know it. You know, they have that saying that, uh, that I I forget the wording exactly. You know, I'm a little stressed out as you can imagine, but they have that saying that uh, uh, people are fundamentally good, but for evil to triumph, All you need is the uh, indifference of good people. Please don't be indifferent to my fate. I ask you this very humbly. Please recognize that, well, uh, the literal death that awaits me if this uh, doesn't work out.
0: unbelievably sad understand
14: what's going on he
0: knows exactly what's going to happen to him he smiles as he gives his last public statement before he was arrested and now he's died at the hands of the ukrainians it's not because he had some pre-existing condition it's not because there was something wrong with him. he wasn't dying of cancer it's because The justice in Ukraine is just totally corrupt. It's because they are brutal and evil and violent. And It's not to say that Russia's so good. I'm not shilling for Putin here. We know that Putin arrests political dissidents, murders political dissidents, crashes planes when political dissidents are on them. We know that Putin is just as guilty as Ukraine. But the fact that we've been arguing as a nation that one side is good and the other is evil It's just so brazenly hypocritical and untrue and false and just such a lie that it actually disgusts me. It makes me feel absolutely disgusted. And it's just like what they're doing to Assange. And I'm going to talk about Assange here in a second. But there's reports just on my desk. Jones had this put on my desk minutes ago of a new breaking story that Democrats in deep state are preparing to remove president's control of military If Trump is elected now, excuse me, we've heard the left repeatedly say that if Trump is elected president of the United States, he will declare himself dictator. That's been a talking point on The View. We saw Whoopi Goldberg snap on leftists last week saying that journalists and gays would be disappeared if Trump was the president of the United States. We see them quote repeatedly that satirical joke that Trump made when he said he'd be a dictator for one day on day one. He was was joking in response to the criticisms, not actually catalyzing their criticisms. Keep in mind. And they neglect the fact, they disregard the fact that if a president of the United States could actually declare himself dictator right off of the bat, that's not actually indicative of a character problem of the president of the United States, though it is. The real problem is that we've created a system that has legally given a president of the United States the powers to do that. You're not supposed to ever be able to do that in the United States. Democrat lawmakers, advocacy groups, and former government officials are quietly devising plans to stop former president Donald Trump from asserting control of the military military if elected president again in november according to a report so now they're trying to neuter his ability to control the military all in the context of making it impossible for the president to unilaterally leave nato like pass that in congress as well fears grow that trump will use the military in a dictatorial way if he returns to the white house this report is extensive it can be found by jamie white on infowars.com i'm just going to go over some of the highlights here quote america's commander-in-chief has vast powers at his disposal some well-known others not so much some lawmakers and pro-democracy advocates worry there may be nothing stopping a president from mobilizing the military to intervene in elections police american streets or quash domestic protests despite the fact that our administration now is just letting journalists be murdered in prison in ukraine Those taking part in the effort told NBC News they are studying Trump's past actions and 2024 policy positions so that they will be ready if he wins in November. That involves preparing to take legal action and send letters to Trump appointees spelling out consequences they'd face if they undermine constitutional norms. It goes on. There's so many great details in here. The Pentagon is going to be a super high priority, and they have to understand there will be a new sheriff in town. NBC cited Bannon as saying you're going to see a massive house cleaning at the Pentagon. This is is what they're afraid of. The report goes on to say there are an array of horrors that could result from Donald Trump's unrestricted use of the Insurrection Act. So now they're critical of the Insurrection Act, and they're worried that it could be used to quell their insurrections. Blumenthal said in an interview, a malignantly motivated president could use it in a vast variety of dictatorial ways unless at some point the military itself resisted what they deemed to be an unlawful order, but that places a very heavy burden on the military. So now they're saying the Insurrection Act is an avenue for any president, of course they're just explicitly accusing Donald Trump of this, but for any president to basically become dictator and quell political opposition. Maybe that's why the current administration is so dead set on insisting that we on the right are insurrectionists so badly. They want us to be insurrectionists. They want us to be domestic terrorists so badly because they know that the Insurrection Act is overpowered. They know that through it, the current administration could actually do anything. If Donald Trump could interfere in elections using the Insurrection Act between 2024 and 2028, then couldn't the current Biden administration interfere in this election coming up in 2024? based on the accusations over the past four years, three years, that we ourselves are insurrectionists, bragging about the over 840 years that 1,250 insurrectionists have been sentenced to prison because of their actions on January 6th. Constantly talking about white supremacy and right-wing extremism being the greatest threat to national security, despite the fact that 12,000 undocumented migrants cross the border every single day in the United States of America, record numbers, all in the context of all of these conflicts, and these migrants aren't just Mexicans that want to work. These migrants are from all over the world, folks. And they're worried that a potential election of Donald Trump would manifest in a dictatorship in the United States of America. Let me ask you this then, why didn't he do it last time? Why didn't it happen in 2020? If he is so predisposed to declaring himself dictator, and you're citing these old laws that existed before 2020 as the means through which he could successfully declare himself dictator, then why didn't he do it in 2020? Obviously, he knew about those laws back then. Obviously, he had a team who you, you, the leftists, have alleged wanted an insurrection, participated in an insurrection. You flipped the likes of Jenna Ellis, who claims that she was militarized and asked to participate in this refusal of Trump to leave office. Why is it that you think that he would declare himself dictator in 2024 when he didn't do so in 2020, when he didn't use the Insurrection Act, when he might have, should have, during the Black Lives Matter protests? When he didn't use the Insurrection Act to quell what was going on in January 6th. I mean, he could have used it then and just stopped the election, right? Stopped the certification of the election of Joe Biden on that day. He could have claimed there was an insurrection, used that as an excuse to postpone and stay in office. He could have, but he didn't. And he left on January 20th, just like he said he would. And he didn't put up a fight in a physical way or a legal way. I mean, he put up a fight verbally and vocally saying this is BS. And he's campaigned that it was BS and he's right that it was BS. But the fact that now they're claiming that a threat of dictatorship is something unique to a presidency of Donald Trump is just beyond me, given the fact that if the president has the power to declare himself dictator and we've got dementia in chief in office right now, then the threat of dictatorship is actually now. It's not in November or on November 5th. It's not January 20th of 2025 when we have the new president inaugurated. The threat is now. They're just trying to make sure they can neuter the presidency as much as possible Because they know that Trump is going to win. They know that their cheating isn't enough. They know that the people are suffering despite all their false allegations or false claims that Bidenomics is just some sort of astronomical success. They know that bankruptcies are up 20%. They know that no one can buy a house. They know that $2,000 in 2020 is worth like $2,400 now. They know that people are going into the grocery store and coming out with less than is on their list. And they know that while Biden brags about record low gas prices, it's fleeting because it's just because he's pulling from our reserves. And that's only going to sustain for the next few months or so before he leaves office. He's just buying time because they want this collapse to happen as soon as Donald Trump is put in office. They want to pin it on Donald Trump and patriotism and populism because they themselves want to sacrifice this country to the globalist cabal, the Satanist movement that declares itself gods, and all that is good, the antithesis of their victory. As if Donald Trump is some sort of threat to democracy, we've seen that the FBI has stonewalled Seth Rich laptop production. The FBI has asked a federal court for a second delay after being ordered to produce information from Seth Rich's computer to a Texas resident, Brian Huddleston, who has sued the bureau. They've come out time and time again and said that the Seth Rich thing is not important. They first, I believe, said that they didn't even have the laptop. Now they're saying that they can only release so many documents every month because there's so many documents on the laptop. And then now today in this report, they're saying that they want another delay on it. Huddleston says that the court should force the agency to produce the information before the 2024 presidential election, as it may show that Rich, not Russians, was WikiLeaks' source of leaked emails which were damaging to Hillary Clinton in the 2016 U.S. election. Let's go ahead and run clip number 19. This is Assange talking about his source, who was murdered in the streets for reasons... That are not publicly known but it seems to me murdered because he was leaking information to wikileaks about the corruption of the podestas of the dnc of the primaries against bernie sanders and how the hillary clinton campaign stole the election let's go ahead and run 19 see what assange says in the context of gonzalo lira being killed in ukraine for reporting the
5: truth just as assange did donald trump has had a disastrous few weeks if you look at the polls he needs a miracle. Um, in the American political lexicon, there's such a thing as the October surprise. The stuff that you're sitting on uh, is is an October surprise in there. We Do never you sit even know material. what you're sitting on?
12: WikiLeaks never sits on material. Uh, our whistleblowers go to significant efforts to get us material and often very significant risks. As a 27-year-old who uh, works for the DNC, who was shot in the back, murdered. Uh, just two weeks ago, uh, for un- unknown reasons, as he was walking down the street in Washington. So
5: that was that was just a robbery, I believe, wasn't it?
12: No, there's no finding. So uh, that's
5: what, are the sort of, what are you suggesting? What uh, are you suggesting?
12: I'm suggesting that our sources uh, take risks, and they are they become concerned uh, to see things occurring uh, like that. But was he one uh, of your sources then? I mean. We don't comment on who our sources are. But why make the
5: suggestion about a young guy being shot in the streets of Washington?
12: Because uh, we have to understand uh, how high the stakes are uh, in the United States and that our sources are, you know, our sources face serious risks. Uh, That's why they come to us so we can protect uh, their anonymity. Uh, But it's
5: quite something to suggest a murder. That's basically what you're doing.
12: Well, there others have have suggested that uh, we are investigating to understand uh, what happened uh, in that situation with Seth Rich. I think it is uh, a concerning situation. Uh, there's not a conclusion yet. We w- wouldn't be willing to uh, state a conclusion, but we are concerned about it. And more importantly, um, a variety of Wikileaks sources are concerned when that... God's people are wide awake.
14: They are trying to take away our freedom.
15: We are winning this fight right now for the hearts and minds of the world. What we have is a fight between good and evil. Along with other popular conservative leaders, are inviting you to a real America's voice town hall session on x.com spaces. Real American voices, the great suppression live this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern on X.com Spaces, hosted by Real America's Voice. God bless you all. We're gonna win this in the end. We have to. See you there.
8: In February of 2022, the Russian military rolled across the border of Eastern Ukraine. And then for the next year and a half, the American media and political establishment spent, what's fair to say, a disproportionate amount of time talking about Ukraine and America's obligation to support Ukraine and pay for Ukraine's military and its government and of course support it morally and above all to hate Russia. And most Americans obeyed. Politicians wore Ukrainian flags on their lapels. American citizens put Ukrainian flags on their mailboxes and on their bumper stickers. But one thing most Americans didn't get a lot of was actual news from Ukraine. What was it like to live there? What was happening inside that country that we were supporting and paying for? Well, you couldn't really know because there's virtually no coverage of it. But on social media, there were a few people reporting in what seemed like a pretty honest way from within Ukraine. And one of them, in February of 2022, the Russian military rolled across the border of eastern Ukraine. And then for the next year and a half, the American media and political establishment spent, what's fair to say, a disproportionate amount of time talking about Ukraine and America's obligation to support Ukraine and pay for Ukraine's military and its government and of course support it morally and above all to hate Russia. And most Americans obeyed. Politicians wore Ukrainian flags on their lapels. American citizens put Ukrainian flags on their mailboxes and on their bumper stickers. But one thing most Americans didn't get a lot of was actual news from Ukraine. What was it like to live there? What was happening inside that country that we were supporting and paying for? Well, you couldn't really know because there's virtually no coverage of it. But on social media, there were a few people reporting in what seemed like a pretty honest way from within Ukraine. And one of them was an American citizen called Gonzalo Lira. He'd lived in Ukraine for quite some time and he posted, particularly on Twitter, his accounts of what life was like there and his view of how the war was going. And so for people who are interested in what was happening, he was worth watching. Here's one of his reports.
16: The Russian economy is sailing on, sailing on. European economy, people are starting to die of hypothermia in the UK. Because they don't have access to the cheap energy of Russia from before, see? And so everything that the West has thrown at the Russians has boomeranged right back at them. And so now they're panicking and they're trying to figure out a way out of the situation. And they figured that if they throw more tanks, it'll help. It won't help. The, right, the Ukrainians, rather, they had like something like uh, 2,000 tanks before the start of this conflict. You think a couple of hundred now is going to help? I mean, why are they asking them? Because those 2,000 tanks are gone, as basic, you know? And so, what, uh, a couple of hundred, maybe 300 tanks, is that going to change the outcome of the conflict? No, it won't. The Russians are just going to destroy them. In the West, all of the uh, propaganda has said that the, you know, Zelensky is a hero, a Winston Churchill figure, you know, and and the Kiev regime are just angels and stuff like that. No, they're, they're bloodthirsty murderers. The Kiev regime. I'm I'm telling you right now.
8: So he made a couple of points. One, Russia is not losing the war with Ukraine. Russia is winning. Two, the Russian economy, despite the sanctions from the United States and Western Europe, and despite the war has not been destroyed. The Russian economy is actually fine, and in some ways it's improving, it's becoming more independent, more commodities-based, and that's an advantage for a country with a lot of commodities like Russia. Meanwhile, the U.S. economy and U.S. military power has suffered as a result of the war. Now, Lira, to the extent that people responded to him in this country, in our media, was denounced as a Russian puppet and a liar and a propagandist, but in fact, now we can admit he was right. What you just heard was true, factually true. Russia is not losing the war in Ukraine. Russia is winning. Russia's economy is fine, ours is not. So what happened in Zalolira? Well, for posting that video and others like it, he was arrested by the government of Ukraine, the one that we pay for, the supposed democracy that we support for moral reasons against the autocracy of Russia. He was arrested and then he was let out and then he tried to leave the country. He tried to leave Ukraine. Here's a video, his last video.
14: This is Gonzalo Lira. I will definitely be sent to a prison labor camp where I will most certainly die. And so I decided that the smart thing was take my chances in terms of getting across the border. Right now, I'm maybe five kilometers away from the border with Hungary. Uh, over the last two days, I rode my bike just about 1,300 kilometers from Kharkov all the way here to the border. And my intention is to cross the border and get to Hungary. And in Hungary, I'm going to ask for political asylum. So either I will cross the border into Hungary in the next couple of hours or I will be arrested again and uh, God knows what will happen to me. He never made it.
8: Five miles from the Hungarian border, five kilometers, rather, from the Hungarian border, he was arrested. Gonzalo Lira remains in prison tonight, a political prisoner in a country that we were told was free, a country whose government we are still paying for. The Biden State Department is uninterested in the fate of this American citizen. In fact, of course... They support his imprisonment. And no one in the national media seems interested in his fate whatsoever. So we thought it'd be worth speaking to his father, Gonzalo Lira Sr., who joins us now from Chile. Mr. Lira, you guys can so check out the rest of that on
0: X. Have you We're gonna take calls this hour? I do want to open up the phone lines. 877 789 2539 Again, that's 877 789 2539 And i will let the crew screen some of the calls as they come in. And I'll cover some other news in the meantime. I want to talk about this issue with the Houthis and this conflict in Yemen. And just shed some light on what's going on here. So we're going to run clip 20 here in a second. Rioters breached the White House security fence during March for Gaza And I know that the Yemen situation is different than the Palestinian issue, but they are inextricably linked. So let's just go ahead and run clip 20 because I want you to see sort of the maniacal level of protesting going on here. Then we'll get into the Yemen story. I mean, it sounds like something from Saudi Arabia. So you can see that there's thousands of protesters, many of them praying at the scheduled prayer time. Great reporting by Dan Lyman and Border Hawk. This here in the United States, and this is all in the context of what's going on with this conflict in Yemen and this sort of unilateral decision of the Biden administration to bomb the Houthis. So, Red Sea blockade undermining global commerce, according to reports. World trade plunged by 1.3% from November to December 2023 as a result of Houthi attacks on merchant vessels in the Red Sea, according to a new report by the IFW Kiel. So, it's the German Economic Institute said on Thursday that the volume of containers transported via the Red Sea had plummeted by more than half as of December and is currently almost 70% below the volume that would usually be expected. And so they're using these attacks, these alleged Houthi attacks, as an excuse to bomb the Houthis in Yemen. But these strikes on the Houthis mostly failed, apparently. So Jamie Jamie White reports at Infowars.com, the U.S.-led strikes on alleged positions of Houthi militias in Yemen have failed to significantly weaken their military potential and prevent them from further attacks on shipping routes in the Red Sea, the New York Times reported on Saturday, citing sources and I want you to see this clip here of the bombings in clip 12, and then I'm gonna show you some of their protests. Let's go ahead and clip 12. So obviously you can't understand what the guy's saying because it's not English, but you can see in the distance many explosions in Yemen. You can hear dogs barking, the dogs are freaking out because you know it's just like the 4th of July here, all these loud explosions make them incredibly anxious. And so, yeah, we're we're, we're bombing this country, haven't declared war on any country since 1941 the legal way with congressional support. Every conflict we get in is sort of at the unilateral behest of the president of the United States, and now Biden is receiving criticism, rightly so, from both sides of the political spectrum for just sort of unilaterally making the decision to bomb Yemen. I mean, we bombed Libya, we unseated Gaddafi, just unilaterally just... Getting involved in all these conflicts. And let's see the, Yom, the Yemen protesters. This is clip 13. I want to go over these Yemen protesters. I want you to get a sense of how massive and militant the opposition is because every time we drop a bomb, we create a generation of terrorists that will come back to haunt us. It's called blowback. We create enemies when we kill people indiscriminately out of nowhere. Let's go ahead and run 13. Oh, Look at how many of them there are. And I want you to keep in mind, keep the clip up and just, you can loop it as B-roll later as I I make this talking point. But I did the research. For every single person in this crowd, 40% of them or so, if you take 40% of the people in this crowd, that's two first cousins that had to have a kid, according to the data, right? So for every person you see in this crowd, that's how many first cousins had to get married and have children for those people to exist. And I've got the data right here from PubMed, from the NIH, Using data on 9,762 women from the 1997 Yemen Demographic and Maternal and Child Health Survey, this paper examines the prevalence and socioeconomic correlates of consanguineous marriages in Yemen. That's that's marriage between first cousins or marriage between second cousins. Okay, that's what that means. The results indicate that 40% of marriages, I believe this study was conducted in 2003, but it's using 1997 data, The results indicate that 40% of marriages are consanguineous. Over 85% of those are between first cousins, 15% between second cousins. And you got to understand that I'm pulling real data here. I'm making a real talking point, and it has absolutely nothing to do with race. It's not because they're Arabian that I'm criticizing them. It's not even because they're Muslim that I'm criticizing them. I'm telling you right now, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second, that there is a massive cousin marriage problem in the Middle East and none of this terrorism will go away until we stop, they stop having children with their cousins. Do you have any idea the mental health issues, the infant mortality issues, the IQ issues, the aggressiveness and behavioral issues that are associated with generation after generation after generation of having kids with first cousins? Do you think that The people on the West Bank or in Gaza or in Yemen or in any of these Middle Eastern countries who have adopted the practice of cousin marriage and cousin breeding, do you think any of them are capable of running a just and upright and competent state? Do you think there can ever be peace with people like this? Do you think that when we indiscriminately bomb them, that they're able to understand the nuance of the conflict in the Red Sea and how it was actually there. No, they're just angry. They just hate us, and they're very easily radicalized. They're very easily militarized, and they want blood. It's as simple as that, folks. I mean, if you look at the average IQ scores of people throughout any nation in the Middle East, they are disproportionately low. They are at least one standard deviation lower than the West. And it's not because of their race, guys. I'm not saying this is an Arabian issue. The Arabian world has historically been advanced and brilliant. I believe they were one of the first mathematically to use zero. They invented algebra. They invented chess. I mean, we're talking about a people, a region that has historically been on the cutting edge of mathematics, science, and understanding in the world. But ever since Muhammad set set foot in the region and started this cult, this religion, and they began having children with their cousins for thousands of years, we have seen the downfall of the entire region. It doesn't matter if you overthrow a government and try to install democracy in Iraq or Afghanistan or Libya or Yemen or Syria or any of the Palestinian regions like the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. It doesn't matter what you do to try to help. It doesn't matter how much aid you give them. It doesn't matter if you try to install new governments. The people are suffering there and they're struggling there because of this one practice. And we're never going to have any peace in the region, whether it's war, from them, with the outside world, or war amongst them, or civil wars, or conflicts, or human trafficking, abuses, or any sort of internal conflicts and abuses of justice, we're never going to have any peace in that region if they're marrying their cousins. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I have the study right here. 40% of their population, somewhere between 30 and 40% of their population is married to their first cousin. You don't think that has a negative impact on society over an extended period of time? I do. Now we're going to take calls. We've got a lot of calls on the board. I want you to call in 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. And I also want to let you know that right now, Alex Jones is live on an X space with Real America's Voice, Jack Poso, Roger Stone, and other important, I believe General Flynn is also there. Go ahead and join that too and listen in on what he's talking about. But I want to take these calls. Let's hear from Bart in Georgia. Bart, what is on your mind?
15: Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Obviously, I want to... I want to talk about Gonzalo Lira. Yeah, I've been listening and watching him ever since Coach Redpill for years. And then um, it's clear to me that the shadow government, whoever they may be, not only that they ordered his detention, arrest, imprisonment, and subsequent death, they ordered it. These the Ukrainians that they were just following orders, which doesn't make it right. But but this is a hit. They want him shut up because they can't have him talking from within Ukraine. And I also know that he knew that he's going to die, okay? Yep. And I, I, he had some personal problems. I think his wife left him and just the kid, and 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 he figured, well, I'm just going to go down in, 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 a, in a blaze of glory, and he did. And uh, we should have a mo- moment of
0: silence right now for five or ten seconds, and that's all I have to say. Let's do it. We'll give it ten seconds. Thank you, Bart. I appreciate that. Let's hear from Jack in Wisconsin. Jack, what's on your mind?
9: Hey, Chase. Uh, I wanted to talk about, some um, uh, about like, seeking out information. And, uh, you know, I was listening to the Alex Jones show earlier, and he's obviously upset. And, you know, he's waiting for all the normies to catch up. And I think a big thing is, like, you know, for people who have questions about these uh, theories, just to, you know, go seek them out and you know, seeking, you'll find and see with your own eyes. Even theories like flat earth, you know, it's like, oh, well, how are you going to prove flat earth? You can go to places on earth where you can see uh, the curvature of, of the earth, like on Easter Island, Sure, you know, which is 3,000 miles out from South America in the ocean. You know, you can actually see the curvature. Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking about that type of stuff. What do you think?
0: You know, no, I, I I think there's all sorts of reasons to believe that the earth is round. And I know that we talked about this with the awesome caller, Willie from Philly's super nice guy. And I am going to put together some sort of a more robust report, actually trying to tackle these issues in an honest way, because frankly, I don't care whether or not the earth is round or flat, which is why I think that I'm probably in a good position to look into it because if I find out it's flat I'll just say it's flat, I don't care. I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight, whatever. And so I, I'm happy to look into it. And I I believe in the experiments conducted by Pythagoras where he was able to determine the shape of the earth with relative accuracy thousands of years ago. And I believe in just Elon Musk flying rockets into space and orbiting the planet. I, I just trust, I trust Musk, frankly. And I understand that we don't have any sort of pictures of the globe because we've traditionally been too close to it, even with our satellites to get a picture of it all at once. And that NASA combines different images of the planet at all times so that we can see it. I understand that there's anomalies and questions and weird understandings around the theory of relativity and gravity, whether it's a force that pulls us or whether we're flying towards objects that have large mass because of the fabric of space bending over space time. I know that it's complicated, so I don't have every sophisticated scientific answer for why every single flat earth point is wrong. They've gone through, they've made a ton of arguments, and I'm not, Educated enough, versed enough to answer every single one of those things. Like when somebody calls in and they say, "Okay, then why is it that we can't see beyond 300 miles from peak to peak?" And I don't know. I haven't done the geometric calculations on the circumference of the Earth and determined how far the human eye can see to figure that out. And and so, so what I need to do as someone who doesn't care whether the Earth is flat or round is I need to just honestly look into it, create a report of what I come up with, and try to answer as respectfully and honestly all these questions. But and it's a shame that I have to do it because a I'm not a scientist. But B, it's a shame that I have to do it because the problem with this whole flat earth thing is that no serious scientist is respectful enough of anybody who is an advocate of flat earth. They don't take them seriously enough to give them the respect and due diligence to actually respond to some of the questions, claims, or anomalies that flat earthers point out. So whenever you point out anything that implies or suggests that the earth is not round or that the earth is flat, no real scientist even gives you the time of day to respond to you because they're so arrogant and they've just got this hubris and they think that they're so sophisticated that they, they don't even want to bother with it. They think it's so ridiculous and silly. And I am the person who doesn't actually disrespect you for doubting the narrative. And I'm happy to look into it and try to discover or understand what the scientific explanations are for why I believe that the earth is round and present them to you in a respectful way and have that back and forth. Because I'll tell you what, man, I I know enough about the world, about the history of government and politics and propaganda to respect anyone with the audacity not to believe anything that everyone else seems to believe because it's pushed from the top down. So I respect all flat, earth, flat earthers. I disagree with them, but I am going to do the work that needs to be done in order to show that respect by coming up with a reasonable, scientifically backed, honest understanding of why I believe what I believe about the round earth. What do you think?
9: You know, I, I like it. I like it, but, you know, seeing is believing also. And that's yeah. like with a lot of rabbit holes, you know, like yeah, I was wondering too, I hear all these arguments, wonder. Sometimes I live on Lake Michigan. You know, so, like, you can kind of see, like, oh, it's pretty flat, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I went to Easter Island. I was like, I want to see with my own eyes, and you can see it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your call, Jack. I appreciate that. Go ahead, Lee. I I want you to finish your thought. I thought you were done, but go ahead and say your last thing.
9: Oh, yeah. I also thought, like, what if we took some of the Flat Earthers and put them on, like, Blue Horizon or Elon's ship and launch them up there, and they get to pick the people out? They go up there and bury the
0: hatchet once for all. It's like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. Well, then you'd have a slow YouTube videos about evidence that all the windows on the ship were actually LCD screens. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to give this a pass. Jackie, Jack, thank you for your call. I appreciate you, man. Let's hear from Len in Indiana. I always love hearing from Len. What's up, man?
17: Well, Chase, I went to see the movie beekeeper. Yeah. And, as I finished that movie, I went to the restroom, and there was a young man there, and I said, well, what did you think of it? And he says, I think it is, the storyline is relating to the
0: White House. What do you mean? I, wait, tell me a little bit about the movie. I'm, I have no idea what this movie is.
17: All right. you know Stray, uh, Jason Stratham. Yes. Am I?
0: We got it up on okay. the screen with the trailer.
17: All right. There he is. Okay. And... He's the beekeeper, and he's like the rogue agency that is beyond the CIA.
18: Okay. Okay.
17: An assassin. And uh, so he's going after the child of a politician. Okay. Because he's a scammer and a drug user.
0: The politician is?
17: No, the son is.
0: Okay.
18: Okay.
17: And so the last line from the star in the movie is, "Do you do you serve the law, or serve justice?"
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, what do you think?
17: Uh, I think it's it's relevant. I think we've got a lot of a lot of people that have sworn their professional ethical. And moral uh, oath, yeah, to the bar, and they're not doing their duty.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, my my theory on this is that you have to f- you have to follow all just laws, and you have to break all unjust laws. It's our duty to break unjust laws and to follow. Just laws. That's what civil disobedience is. That's how the civil rights movement in 1964 was able to be successful. They broke unjust laws peacefully. They sat in at restaurants that discriminated and they got the agenda done. I do appreciate it, Len. And I know there's issues with the civil rights act in 1964, but all in all, I think it's a good thing in this country that we don't have different water fountains for different races. Okay. Let's hear from Andrew in New Jersey. Andrew, what's up? Yeah. I just
19: want to interject to the civil rights um, and Martin Luther King day tomorrow. Yeah. That- you and I, we had spoke about how the Democrats had schemed in the 60s to take the black father out of the home and yes. get his mes- many yes. Through women inflation. on welfare. Yep. And um, also, so I, the tragic assassination of Dr. King, I would think, oh, maybe if he wasn't assassinated, the Dem- he, he was a Republican and a reverend, so maybe the Democrats would have never got their hooks into the black community and did so mm. much damage. But I just thought of that. But I want to say with um, the flat Earth, you could comment mainly. Yeah. But I saw the video, why doesn't the plane go upside down if the Earth is round? When you fly around the Earth, when we fly to Thailand, where my wife's from, right. it doesn't, you know, if it's if it's round, why isn't the plane at some point going upside down? But let me finish my up. Uh, really, I just want to say with the Ukraine, I worked. In uh, Fox 56, and the reason in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and it was just the Ukrainian church, and they have during Easter the blessings of the baskets, not like Easter bunny baskets, but like food and things. And they told me, like, well, this represents the wealth of the Ukraine, and we have grain, we have agriculture, we have tech, industry, manufacturing. So they're admitting that they're affluent, that they're a, not a third world country. Plus, we've given them billions of dollars. Right. So it's just like we're supposed to endlessly give them money. Like they have their own military. And Nikki Haley comes out and says,
0: oh, we're not going to give them any money, but we're going to give them weapons. I'm like, that's the same thing. They could just sell the weapons to Hamas and they have money then.
19: Right. It's just an endless and they have their own military. And I heard uh, the guy who turned on Trump, Garamucci, is like, well, Trump delayed giving Stinger missiles. That's because he was investigating the corruption he's saying you're but it's like okay well if their sovereignty depends on them having a certain weapon why don't they have yeah 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 Yeah. if if their sovereignty if your sovereignty
0: depends on any other nation then you're not sovereign at all i mean if you have to be propped up if you're like north korea and you have to be propped up by china and north korea is not a sovereign nation it's it's sort of just like a, a puppet of china it's it's propped up by china like a drunk leaning brother
19: and lastly, I just want to say, it reminds me, it's a weird comparison, but of the migrants in New York City, yeah. that at first it was only 30,000, then seven, and they got $3 billion, and they said, $3 billion's is not enough. And yeah. then they would say, we don't know where to house them. But it's yep. like you have billions of dollars. Like, why is housing, or, you know, you have, so it's corruption, as you guys always point out, too. Ukraine, they just want an endless suck hole of money going yes. there, and there's kickbacks and corruption.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad that you called, Andrew. We're about ready to come to break, because I want to show the audience this New York City man confronting illegal aliens squatting in a cargo trailer. So they're paying all this money for these apartments. They're paying all this money for places for these these migrants to live, and this guy can't even move a trailer because the migrants have invaded it, basically. This is clip number 15. Go ahead and run it for the audience.
18: Bro, you definitely can't make this up. somebody in there? No matter how many times we call Child Protective Service. Or NYPD. they see that kid trailer. peeking out? We can't physically Hello? go into that trailer with children in there. Hello? We cannot physically lock the trailer because children are in there. And we definitely can't drive away with the trailer because children Hello? are in there, as you can see. We went to the migrant shelter to figure out what's going on in there to make these guys want to live in the trailer. Like someone suggested in my comment section. We went there. Someone there basically told us that these people are coming inside the shelter with four to five hot plates and cooking with them running simultaneously. The problem with that is it's tripping the circuit breaker in the hotel, which causes a blackout, which is a security issue. When the city goes in to do an inspection and they see these hot plates, they throw them away. When they threw the plates, the hot plates away, these people got in their feelings and they bounced. They dipped out of the hotel on their own free will, and now they're living in my uncle's trailer. The problem with that now is we can't get them out due to political legalities. We just gotta sit here and just wait. You see they playing lotto and all type of stuff, all losing tickets. So they don't really have a clue what they're doing. They're in the migrant shelter trying to be Chef Boyardee want to cook in the people's place so they can go sell food on construction sites. Come on, bro. There's nothing going on. The people in the the shelter told us that they're living like kings. They got cable TV, rec room, video games, people coming for counseling, all type of stuff that the homeless do not get. Come on.
0: So, absolutely fascinating stuff going on there. Now, we're going to come up to a break in about 40 seconds. I'm going to take more calls for the rest of the hour after the break. I especially want Evan the Evangelist to stay on the line because I want to take his calls after this break. But in the meantime, make sure you visit InfowarsStore.com because I believe today is the last day of the New Year's special. You can get game changing New Year's specials from Infowars, which are here for one more day. Get up to 60% off plus free shipping and double Patriot points. Make sure you also call in 877-789-2539. And while you are shopping on InfoWarsStore.com, consider going to X.com and tuning in to Alex Jones, who is currently on A Space, sponsored by Real America's Voice and moderated by the great Jack Posobiec. Visit InfoWarsStore.com right now and be the reason we are still on the air. God's people are wide awake. They are trying to take away our
15: freedom. We are winning this fight right now for the hearts and minds of the world.
7: What we have is a fight between good and evil. This X-Space
0: us, is live right now. Leaders are inviting you Check it to out real on real Alex, Jones Alex Jones' X account, at RealAlexJones. You should be able to tap in and see what American he is saying, what's going on. A great conversation there by Real American Voices hosting.
8: Good stuff
0: right there. Right out of the gate now. I do want to start taking more calls. Feel free to call in 877-789-2539. The board is lit up. I'm going to try to get to everybody's call if possible. Sometimes I do have great callers, and I get carried away with one caller when it's interesting. But we're going to start off the gate, out of the gate, with Evan, the evangelist from Los Angeles. Evan, what are your thoughts on the, some of the comments that I made about cousin marriage in Yemen?
20: Hey, let me start by saying you do a great show. Thank you. And and I'll tell anybody that's listening, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Yeah. Because... You're you're pointing out the Muslim population marrying the what, first or second cousins. I don't think there's anybody else on Earth marrying the first or second cousins, and I might say that's probably the definition of being uncool, is having so few women like you that you have to marry your cousin. Well, they almost do it so, as
0: like a cultural practice, like hey, somebody's got to take care of my cousin, well, I'm going to do it.
20: Yeah, but that's also what happens when girls don't like you. Yeah, and you can say. You know, if you don't marry me, you go to hell. It's similar to what the uh, Mormons did. They would say, hey, if you don't marry me, you go to hell. That's a really good way to get girls to like you when you're really kind of uncool. Yeah. Um, And let me point out that I took X2 iodine. I started taking that stuff. The best iodine I think I ever found is what you guys are selling. When would you start taking it? About four years ago, I had high blood pressure, and I was on blood pressure medicine, Mm -hmm. and I started eating a little better, but my blood pressure stayed high, and when I took X2 iodine after about three or four weeks, I think my body detoxified of a bunch of metals and stuff that my body was storing, and my blood pressure came down to perfect level, and I tell people the only thing I did was X2 iodine, and even though I do think all your other products are good, I recommend to anybody that they start with X2 iodine because it detoxifies your body and kind of kicks your natural DNA in, into uh, into full, you know, full force. So in my in my life, I found X2 iodine the best. I tried other iodines and they didn't have the same effect. But so X2 iodine, I really wanted to point that out. used to be a blessing to people. Hey, let me point out, Chase, that you do a great job. And what you're pointing out is amazing, but, you know, as an evangelist, I'm EvanEvangelist.com. I mm-hmm. preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. I've t- I went to like 40 different churches in the last year and a half. And I noticed one thing I really wanted to let everybody know that might be a Christian out there. Okay. That one of the signs of the end times is that churches would stop preaching that Jesus was coming back. Mm. And, and that's one of the signs of the end times is that they would say, oh, you've always been saying Jesus was coming back. And I've went to enough churches, Baptist churches, evangelical, a bunch of different churches, and almost none of them preach that Jesus Christ is coming back. So that part of the Bible, about 25% of the Bible saying Jesus is coming back, seems to be foolishness to them. And the Bible says not to, don't add to the Bible and don't subtract. Well, most preachers are essentially taking a Sharpie to the Bible and cutting it out. There's 25%, if you look at you know, Jeremiah, Daniel, Revelation. It talks more about the time we live than the Mm. time that the disciples live. So the sign of the end times is that they would stop preaching that Jesus was coming back. And I believe, I mean, I'm not getting a lot of high fives for saying this to every church I go to. They just give me a look like I'm an alien. But I said, you know, prophecy is in the Bible, but yet really the 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 statistics show about 95% of all Christian churches in the United States don't preach prophecy. Yeah. And, and I have a, a, some websites, like I say, Jesus Christ, Worldwide Ministries, EvanTheEvangelist.com. I get people from Pakistan and Afghanistan telling me, wow, thanks for your ministry, these are the end times. But people in America, I get very few uh, emails.
0: Well, keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep turning the perverts into converts. Speaking of second coming of Christ, let's hear what Mark in Canada has to say, because I do see on the board that there was a caller that actually wanted to call and talk just about that. Go ahead, Mark.
21: Uh, I'm from San Jose. Are you there? Yes. Okay. Uh, Before I start, I would like to mention on your search for Flat Earth, I was listening to this Jewish guy on the Stu Peters Network, and if you go to flatereathsave.com, he'll give you a lot of you know, information on your quest. Thank you. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, uh, Christ just asked two questions. Number one, when is the temple going to be destroyed? Number two, when uh, are you going to come back in the end of the world? And primarily, uh, the question was answered nine out of ten times uh, about the destruction of Jerusalem. The only thing that he said about his return was, uh, the powers from heaven will be shaken. And yes. if you'll go to Romans 13, those are the higher powers that are ordained of God to uh, protect, you know, the citizens from invaders, you know, close the borders and get rid of the rapers, the robbers, the pedophiles, and the murderers, and so on, right? So if they're shaken, Chase, if the powers from heaven are shaken just prior, is coming in the clouds with power and great glory, then we should see exactly what we are seeing, the vote fraud, the chaos, the lawlessness, the breakdown of law and order. Because, yeah,
0: uh, you know, but do you, think, know do you was... think that people worry too much about the second coming? And the reason I ask this is it, it's got a biblical standpoint. So the the first thing is Jesus said that the end will come like a thief in the night. The second thing is Jesus said, "Worry not for tomorrow, because today has enough troubles of its own." Shouldn't we just be focusing every day on trying to be good Christians rather than trying to figure out when the end is going to come?
21: Yeah, I guess I'm an escapist at heart. I just yeah. want Jesus to come back, you Me know. Too. And, uh, Me too. Me <laughs> too. Yeah. But uh, you know, that was that was a selfless thing to say about the Alex Jones uh, thing live. That's good, you know. I oh, mean, absolutely. To not care about yourself, but just truth is truth. That that's the main thing. Truth, you know. Uh, the Lord said, "To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world to bear witness to the truth. All who are of the truth hear my voice." Mm. And, uh, you know, one more thing, if I could, this is just, oh, it's so powerful. In John 6, Jesus said, it is written in the prophets in Isaiah 54, they shall all be taught of God. Everyone, therefore, that is heard and learned of the Father comes to me. So that means it's what it says.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your call. I think we lost you right at the last second there. But I want to hear next from Steve in Alaska. Steve, what's on your mind?
20: Hey, buddy. Um, So
3: the other day, Alex made. uh, I just want to do a quick reference on this. Sure. Um, Alex uh, uh, was talking to gosh Jim Brewer, I believe is what it was, and they were talking about the pen mightier than the
2: sword, right? Yeah.
3: A lot of people can't really get any information upon where that came from because a lot of people just don't understand esoteric sayings. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> the reason why the pen is mightier than the sword—it's all based in esoteric. It's based upon the fact that when you write language, you basically create a word, and when you create a word, your spelling—the esoteric side of that—has to do with the power that words can carry if you know how to use language properly. Mm. So it, it, it goes a lot deeper than that, but but it is rooted in the esoteric, and it has to do behind spell casting spelling Right. Um, that's why we call it spelling event.
0: in english it comes back from the old pagan, <laughs> supposedly
3: it, 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 yeah it, it's what it is and that's the reason why pen is mightier than sword sword will kill you but if you if you know know how to use language properly and you can cast a spell yeah, there's more power in it okay so but having said that i was listening to you earlier and you were talking about all the people in the middle east and yeah. about basically um um the inbreeding um, yes. so we'll call it what it is because that's kind of what it is um yeah, I don't think that that's a, a very good thing either. However, if America would just quit going into all of these countries right. and you know putting in uh, uh, puppets like they did with Saddam, um, if if we would just quit going into places like uh, 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 what was it with, with Gaddafi um, when yep, he basically Libya. said he would, yep. yeah. We, we went and we killed him because he was going to mess with right. the petrodollar. We
0: came, we saw, he died, in the famous words it, of Hillary Clinton. It, it
3: is, you know. So, so I mean, if we would just quit going in and bombing all these places and putting in all these puppet leaders and being, well, you know, basically bullies, um, you know, and stealing their resources, I don't think very many people would necessarily hate America like they. Do, okay. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, if we would just quit backing Israel so blindly. Because um, that's the major portion of it, you know, prior prior to us backing Israel and having Israel as an ally, we didn't have the enemies that we
0: have. Yes. You know? well, It's kind of the point, too, where, where I just think that maybe, maybe our administration wants to create these terrorists, and maybe they want these terrorists to come into the United States so that when a terrorist attack happens here, they can use that as an excuse for more military involvement overseas, continue to fund the military-industrial complex, and ensure that the dollar remains the global reserve currency. It seems like one corrupt sort of recursive Ponzi scheme where we catalyze a conflict, we use the conflict to get more involved, we use our increased involvement to protect the dollar, and we use that dollar then to fund more terrorism and pay the military industrial complex, and it's just this circle of corruption. I mean, look, the DHS complains that Border Patrol can't bring illegal aliens into the U.S. as easily because of this new Texas blockade. I want to run clip 16 here in a second. Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security filed a supplemental memo to its lawsuit against Texas with the Supreme Court, arguing that the state's new barricades along the border are hindering the Border Patrol's efforts to aid and abet illegal aliens entering the U.S. It's almost like they want people to come here. They want to create the terrorists. They want to make sure the borders are o- open so the terrorists can come here so that whenever a terrorist attack happens, then they can use that as justification or excuse to get us involved in more and more global conflict. Let's run Clip 16.
4: Nearly a month now, we've shown you images like these from Eagle Pass, Texas, tens of thousands of migrants waiting to be processed by Border Patrol. And now that processing has all but stopped with the state of Texas seizing control of a public park on the banks of the Rio Grande. News stations Evan Lambert joins us live. And Evan, both the mayor of Eagle Pass and the Biden administration are objecting to this.
11: Nicole, the Department of Justice responding in a filing, a new filing to the Supreme Court saying that Texas taking over that park in Eagle Pass prevents them, Border Patrol, from being able to patrol and surveil the border. They also say that it creates risk not only to migrants, but also to Border Patrol agents. Here's the area that we're talking about, some 2.5 miles along the U.S.-Mexico border in Eagle Pass. It encompasses some of the existing border wall and a public boat ramp that Border Patrol uses to access the Rio Grande. This is what it looks like today. Fences, military equipment, and National Guardsmen keeping Border Patrol out of the area that they normally work in to process migrants and surveil the border. In an overnight filing to the Supreme Court, the Biden administration argues, quote, Texas's new actions Demonstrate an escalation of the state's measures to block Border Patrol's ability to patrol or even to surveil the border and be in a position to respond to emergencies. This court should vacate the injunction pending appeal in order to restore Border Patrol's access to the border it is charged with patrolling and the migrants it is responsible for apprehending, inspecting, and processing.
0: They are taking full control. CUSTODY OF SHELBY PARK.
11: AND THAT'S EAGLE PASS'S MAYOR ROLANDO SALINAS SHOWING THE BLOCKADE BY THE TEXAS NATIONAL GUARD IN A FACEBOOK LIVE AND SAYING THIS ISN'T SOMETHING THE CITY WANTED. HE SAID THE STATE DID THIS WITHOUT PERMISSION and that the city attorney is looking into it. But in a response from Governor Greg Abbott's office, a spokesperson said, quote, Texas is holding the line at our southern border with miles of additional razor wire and anti-climb barriers to deter and repel the record high levels of illegal immigration invited by President Biden's reckless open border policies. Now, it is not clear if the Supreme Court will weigh in and order Texas to get out of the way here and let Border Patrol, the federal government, get back to that area in Shelby Park. But again, we are seeing a battle between the state of Texas and the Biden administration over immigration. Nicole? Yeah, that battle. Yeah, so you see there.
0: The federal government wants these people to cross the border. They want terrorists to exist. They want them to come here. They want terrorist attacks to happen here so they can use that as an excuse to do things like the Patriot Act, subjugate the American people, and simultaneously get us involved in an international way. In war everywhere, anywhere that it needs to be done. Let's hear from Zane in Oklahoma. Zane, what is on your mind?
13: Hey, Chase. Thanks for taking my call tonight. Uh, I want to bring attention to the schumer Langford border deal. It's, uh, I believe supposed to be put in text this week. It's a total... Uh, sell out of America and like you just said a moment ago they're literally just trying to get terrorists in here and Mm -hmm. essentially I think it's the the great replacement theory that's going on yeah um but essentially what's outlined in this I mean they're trying to give work permits for every illegal alien released to custody 5,000 migrants per day so I mean what 300,000 came in uh in December so you're going to cut it down to 150,000 it really what we need to do is just like militarize the border and, and, and shut it down. I mean, our sovereignty is being destroyed day by day. And what really angers me is the fact that people are so emotional about the issue. I mean, when you talk to the American left, they just, they don't understand what it takes to run a country. And I live here in Oklahoma, so I'm going to be calling James Langford on Monday. I'll email him and I, my call to action to everybody here listening is just take action and, and, and tell these people that we need to, we need, we need a country back.
0: Absolutely. 100% we need our country back. And I don't know what to do. I mean, it seems to me that the whole reason the Second Amendment exists is so that the people could protect the border from an invasion. And I'm not advocating for violence or anything like that, but I just can't believe that our founding fathers wouldn't support volunteers going to the border and stopping military-aged men by themselves from crossing the border every single day by the thousands. I mean, but we're paying for it, and we're suing states. At the federal level, they're suing states for coming out and doing something about it. They're Tearing down blockades that we put in the water because it's a safety risk. The the illegal migrants might drown. And it's like... Our government loves protecting the rights or fighting for the rights or well-being of every single person in the world except American citizens. They want to fight so hard for Israelis. They want to fight so hard for the Afghans. They want to fight so hard for the Iraqis with Operation Iraqi Freedom. They want to fight so hard for the Ukrainians or the Taiwanese. But then when push comes to shove and the Americans are struggling, whether it's because of chemicals being released into the atmosphere from train derailments in East Palestine or 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate disappearing from trains on their way to California, they don't want to do anything about it. When Americans are struggling because people are swarming across the border by 12,000 a day, over 10 million since the onset of this administration, they don't want to do anything about it. When you have property that is being occupied by illegal migrants and you can't move your trailer or do your work or you can't get an apartment because the migrants have taken it all over, your kids can't go to school because the school is housing migrants and your kids are forced to stay at home and you have to figure out how to get a babysitter because your kid's remote learning now because you're property taxes are funding an education facility that's housing illegal migrants and then they're shutting down the school after the migrants leave and they're saying it's because of overdue protections or overly cautious protections because of the high winds in the area when really we know it's because they're combing through the schools to make sure no dangerous chemicals or materials were left behind like weapons and drugs. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I mean, when are the people gonna rise up and do something about it? When are people gonna go to the border and actually say, no, you can't come into this country? I am stopping you. I am a citizen. I know that my government disagrees with me, but this is my country. When is that gonna happen? I have no idea. And I don't advocate for violence. I'm not going down to the border myself and fighting that fight, so I'm not advocating anybody else do it. But I can't believe that we don't have movements and leaders in this country that have gotten to that point of frustration because I tell you what, folks, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Let's hear from Scott in Illinois. Scott, what's on your mind?
19: Hey, much love, brother. Much love. Um, I, can, I can hear your
20: passion, and I am right behind you, locked locked arm in arm with you. Oh, I'm, um, brother. I, I'm not calling to be critical. Just calling to let everybody know uh, Jesus has been coming back since the time, uh, if you believe your Bible— well, look right there. They've been saying Jesus has been coming back, and the Bible is like a really, really old. So he's been coming back for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a process. And to help us along in this process, to know when he's going to get here, there's been a group of people that know more about that subject than anybody else on the face of the earth, and that's a group of people called the sons and daughters of Issachar. Mm. And the sons and daughters in Issach- of Issachar, they operate subject to the holy spirit so if everybody wants to know when jesus coming is coming back and i'm telling you it's not for a long time give it a hundred years there is so so many awesome things that uh the creators are about to do and, and justice is coming don't give up justice is coming i love you guys i got the x2 on the table resupplied i got body ease alex jones was right I'm Amen. out
19: of here, bro. Amen. Much
0: Thank luck. you for your call. I appreciate you, Scott. Let's hear from Travis in West Virginia. Hey, What's yo, up? How
3: you doing? Buddy?
0: Good, man. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind?
3: I just, i just wondering when this the country, the shape the country's in. It, the American people, it's it, our government's done it. We're, we're over the government. I mean, when, when are we going to stop? How far? How far are we going to let this go? I, I don't. Our country's being invaded. We're watching it be invaded, and mm-hmm. we're complaining about it. We we know the people sitting in the White House right now stole the election. We know that they're illegitimate. We know they're there illegally, yet we're complaining about it. Yeah, and and we're depending on Trump. Now let's yeah.
9: say Trump, everything goes perfect. Trump yeah. wins, gets in there.
3: Does his thing for four years. After that, four years is up, then these people will pick up where they leave off.
0: Well, and it's I mean, not just the border. It's not just the border that's struggling. And I want to show the audience Clip 11 here before the end of the show. So get that ready, please. But everything about our civilization and our society seems to be crumbling. We saw the train derailment in East Palestine. We see the ammonium nitrate that disappeared. Obviously, that chemical can be used for explosives. We see our border wide open. We see our roads just in a terrible state. If you look at any footage of San Francisco or Chicago or New York City or any of these leftist institutions, you see homeless person after homeless person. You see 100,000 deaths every single year from fentanyl overdoses, but we love China so much. We see constant conflict and war and civilians and citizens struggling, dying all over the world because of our globalist policies. We see bombings after bombings, attacks after attacks. We are totally being compromised. I mean, let's just see clip 11 here. Airline safety is off to a bad start in 2024 thanks to the Biden admin policies. I said on Twitter years ago that we're going to begin seeing issues with our airlines because they cut costs so much during the pandemic because they were struggling so badly and nothing was done about it. So this is from Tokyo, this is Clip 11. This mirrors this recent revelation about the MAX 8 issue with its emergency doors flying off. We're gonna start seeing the literal collapse of our society just as we see these planes collapsing and exploding. Show the audience here, Clip 11. So this plane lands, I think a lot of the people on the plane might've been all right, but it's, it's literally on fire, I mean, big time on fire. For the sake of the listeners, they try to put it out. So as a commercial pilot, I would up the new year would usher in a new wave of renewed sanity, according to this article, safety and a brighter future for my industry. But sadly, just a week or so into 2024, the industry is off to a horrific start. You can see more at InfoWars.com on in this article. But this is just the beginning of what a failing society looks like. Ayn Rand predicted it eloquently in Atlas Shrugged, where she talks about these derailments, these issues, this incompetence at the highest levels, and how when we sell out our institutions, our country, our businesses to these government bureaucrats, to these members of the political class that are just sort of grandfathered or ushered into our institutions to lead because of their immutable characteristics, which are somehow politically favorable, we see everything begin to fall apart. Let's hear lastly from Andrew in New York before the end of the show today. Andrew, what is on your mind this evening?
9: Hello, oh, i should- 2020 election before it got way worse than ever was. Um, obviously, the machines like the Clinton Curse, he, he made the algorithm. He said that it switched from um, the numbers to cheat with it and um, voter rolls, the mail in, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they need to, I think they need to decertify de- 2020. And they're still going to have the Senate in the House election, but they could have the paper ballots, the, for the one day voting for, for those. But they decertified 2020 publicly. I think they already did in a shadow do- docket, but it's just uh, the re- revealing process that's going on now. I, I think Trump is the commander-in-chief. He's yeah. a lot of proof for, yeah. Um, like, the-, the tour he went on. He was always, like, ceremonially, like, the...
0: Yeah, well let me just let me just cut you off top. right here because we only have exactly one minute left. I agree with you that 2020 was stolen. It would have been nice if we could have decertified the election immediately after it happened, but we're coming up on a situation in which there's less than 300 days until the next election, and rather than worrying about decertifying 2020, we need to worry about winning 2024. Trump will fix it after he gets in. The administration is not going to be screwing around this time because now he understands the depth of the swamp, how swampy the swamp really is, and I, for better or worse, I don't know if he's a good guy or. A bad guy. I trust him because everybody who hates America hates him. Everybody who hates all that is good in the world seems to hate Trump. That's why I'm voting for him. That's why I support him. And I don't know if he's going to be the hero that we need or the hero that we deserve, but I tell you what, no one else is. You can give DeSantis participation trophies and you can fight for the Viveks and the others that you you like, and you can talk about vaccine issues, but he is our best hope. I don't know if he's the real deal, if he's the hero that we need, but he is our best hope. We've got to support him. And Make sure you visit InfowarsStore.com and be the reason that we're still on the air we need you now more than ever. This country depends on you this year. This year will determine whether or not America exists throughout the 21st century.
12: While
21: other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show and share the link today.
15: Anybody that's paid attention to InfoWars and what we do knows we're at the center of the zeitgeist. We literally beat ourselves to death to be as accurate as we can, unlike the corporate-controlled dinosaur media that lies on purpose. While they're lying to you about today's news, we're telling you the truth about what's coming next. So I am fully focused on being as accurate and researched and truthful as I can and letting the chips fall where they may. So when I bring you a product, and all our products are incredible, and I tell you it's game changing, and quite frankly, you should be careful. You can take it to the bank. I want you, particularly those on the fence that never gotten a product at InfoWarsStore.com, to go to InfoWarsStore.com, and I want you to get foundational energy. You can take X2, the cleanest iodine out there, goes right in your cells, takes two weeks to kick in on average, and then you're sold. And it's great. And it's it's, it's same level as this with cellular function. But this is the missing link. This is the breakdown product. Most people's cells have problems doing it. Some people have major problems doing it. But methylfolate is the breakdown of folic acid. And then you give it B-Complex that's organic. It supercharges it like nitrous oxide in a funny car or a drag racer. So this is already all the rage on the cellular methyl folate but this has the b complex it's the highest quality and it funds the info war so you can buy methyl folate somewhere else and it's great but this funds the info war, so it's a 360 win get your foundational energy and experience it and be careful only take one at first i took one today i'm climbing the walls for the last 10 hours i'm shooting this ad at night I mean, uh, it's because it's, it's, it, 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 it's not a stimulant, folks. It's it's cellular energy. You add stuff like Turbo Force or X2 or stuff of this, it's crazy. Get your foundational energy with B Complex now at InfowarStore.com, and you will not be disappointed.